Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Jess Grace Garcia, and I'm worship pastor, filmmaker, music producer, and I am in an equal triad. Awesome. I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and I don't travel. I host. I host Parasites. I host Spirits of Homosexuality. (laughs) I host Personality Disorders. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's crowded in here, honey. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so what's new with you, Jess? Um, well, it's New Year's Day. We're recording on New Year's Day. So We did it. We made it into another year. <laughs> like how many hours? Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We're organizing things for the QCF, Q Christian Fellowship conference um that's happening at the end of january that recently just got canceled for in person but it's going to be a virtual and so we've been Mm -hmm. organizing worship stuff um for that and that's with people involved in um affirming worship like all over the world and one of those people is tosh holmes and uh, she lives in australia um sydney specifically and so we were texting her in like the middle of the day yesterday like like hey what's it like in 2022 (laughs) like (laughs) tell us let us know what we're in for you know (laughs) whoa spoiler alert i know right (laughs) i'm like i'm okay with this spoiler is it okay is everything still okay um but yeah no we've you know i've recently just been of course it just everyone knows I'm um, a worship pastor and a worship leader at like two different um, communities. And one of those uh, communities is a, is a pretty like traditional um, church um, when you think about church. And so, you know, for a lot of ministry leaders, we're all really, really busy and overwhelmed mm-hmm. during the Christmas season. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lots of love to uh to ministry leaders i kind of i kind of had a point of like burnout i mean i loved so much of it i was you know working on with the kids and the teens um for the christmas eve service and honestly we nailed it like we killed it um awesome. but not without a lot of work and so i and i'm looking forward to working with the teens for um, getting them involved with music and it seems to be a way that people are really interested in involved but i really needed the week off and so i got my booster um if you're not boosted get boosted folks um i waited until after christmas just because i wasn't sure that i had the energy for the downtime and i needed a Mm -hmm. couple days after being boosted but yeah i i got boosted and then just did nothing like no promises to (laughs) anyone not even phone calls like even people who were like oh can we call you i was like you can call me if i'm available i'll answer if i'm feeling up to it i'll answer i'll call you if i feel up to it like i I made no promises and and honestly awesome that has been like the best for me as you know an extrovert i still need to like introvert sometimes and just like be at home with with my um partners and like ah, you know basically stay in my pjs for almost three days Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i I ordered coffee 
for delivery because it was supposed to be free delivery um all of last week mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'm gonna deliver myself some coffee and and deliver the girls some coffee and <laughs> i accidentally chose pickup and now the place is like three minutes from my house but <laughs> i had not left my house in like a couple days and i was still in my like onesie <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't figure out how to cancel it. So I had to like book it over, you know, uh, like just look in my best. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, got the coffee and uh, and now I'm on a first name basis, of course, with with the baristas. So, of course, one of the girls that um, I think is super cute and I've never really had conversations with them. Surprisingly, you guys, I'm an extrovert, but I like am always running in and out of this specific coffee shop. Uh-huh. And she knows my name, obviously, because I get the same order every time. But like she's like she saw me on Pajama Sunday, which was right after Christmas. And um, and she was like, oh, my God, I love the onesie. I was wearing my wife's rainbow onesie. And yep. I was like, oh, cute girl. Just acknowledge me. And then she like the next day, I think it was like a day later or whatever, when I ordered and had to go pick it up. Um, and, uh, she was like, Oh, I almost didn't recognize you in your cute onesie. And I was like, I'm being flirted with by the cute girl. Like (laughs) fell into a puddle, went home and like, and like (laughs) told, told our girlfriend about it and was like, Oh my God, there's a cute girl there. And she just, and she was, she was like, of course she flirted with you, but it was great. You're very flirt with ball. <laughs> I do. I feel like I have that kind of face. <laughs> like, like flirt yeah. with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But how are you? How have things been in, in your world during, you know, this post holiday season? Oh, I've done fuck all uh, after the holiday. Um, but December was pretty busy. My fiance August and I celebrated our first anniversary. Uh, oh my anniversary. gosh, that's right! Yeah, anniversary of our first day, and anniversary of uh, becoming boyfriends. Very close together. <laughs> we didn't waste any time. <laughs> You're lesbians. We know this. I don't yeah. know if anyone Honorary else on the, the pod realizes this. Yep. <laughs> oh, I started going by they, he instead of he, they. Because what? I did the same thing. Did we do this at the same time? Oh my god, it's like we're energy connected. Oh my god. <laughs> How did we not talk about this but we did it? That's so I funny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like they I don't want to like leave he behind entirely, but it just doesn't feel like he encompasses enough of who I am like how I uh, show up in the world. Partly, partly, I want to be they, he, and not just they, them, to like make things easier on other people. Often, get passes sis. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. And so, like, people just naturally refer to me as he, and I don't want to be like just they, them, because I don't want people to feel like if they say he, him, that they've like done something wrong, or like transgress some sort of boundary with me because I don't feel like he him for me is wrong it's just like less accurate than 
they them. I got to think about it in terms of like, like Superman versus Clark Kent. Like hmm. when people call him Clark Kent, like that's that's true that that's who he is. But that's like who he is when he's limiting himself. Like Superman yeah. is who he really is, and Clark Kent is like how he presents himself sometimes mm. when people can't like handle superman that's kind of a cool analogy it's interesting because i feel like your logicalness is really coming through here because mm-hmm. when you're thinking about it analytically like of course the emotional side of like not wanting to burden burden people make people feel bad about it but i think you're thinking about like your closer friends there because i feel like mm-hmm. for me it's like the people who've just met me i don't want you to assume my gender at all like and yeah. i think that that's a valid thing for anyone of any gender even if someone looks and feels super cis like i do my best not to assume their pronouns mm-hmm. and i think i kind of just want people to give me the same respect mm-hmm. yeah no i agree i agree with you on 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 all of that like if someone says she um to me like my wife or something like people who've been with me for so long like it it doesn't even bother me but i will say Mm -hmm. my wife used they them pronouns in relation to me um she sent me like a screenshot of something that that she had said or she had like posted about something and commented and used they them pronouns and it was a few days after i'd had the conversation with her that i wanted to move they um i'd started to practice it on zoom because i feel like that's the that's like the easy place to like hey does this bug me oh actually that feels good uh-huh. um and i'm pronouns and if you're if you're doing regular zooms with people like hey consider putting your pronouns in your in i feel like at least in all of our circles that's what we do yeah. um and yeah so i was expressing that to her and she was like oh okay and like a couple days later she like used they them pronouns on a comment and it lit me up inside like Mm -hmm. it made me feel so seen and yeah it felt really good and so i just realized i'm like yeah no that's more accurate and it's it's such a you know a long um i feel like i've come a long way um, cause I think, you think even in the beginning, like those of us that have been with us, you know, listening since the beginning, like I was having, I was still having a hard time with, um, even though I wanted they, them pronouns, I was still having a hard time con- like really a- applying it to myself. Like I loved all the essence of what, um, genderqueer non-binary was, but I wasn't a fan of the way that it acted out. And, uh-huh. and what it was, was just comfort, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh-huh. Like feeling, uh, not fearful, but to an extent fearful of like what that means for everyone else and being, you know, a bit of a people pleaser. It's hard to like embrace that sometimes and say like, no, like, this is what I want mm-hmm. though. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. I'm really excited that we're on the same, <laughs> that we did the same thing. That's so funny. And we're, you know, we have a Lavender Mafia Discord for anyone that is not aware. If you are on Discord and you want more regular chats with me, Jack is still um, 
not on that boat, but Jack is in all these other places <laughs> that I'm not. Um, you can reach me by carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Jack is a real big fan of Twitter and and some of these more like and like Facebook, like more punchier places. Like for me, um, I just recently got onto the Discord boat and I'm really enjoying it. So there's been a lot of a lot of interactions there. But one of the beautiful things about our Discord community is I would say actually the majority of the people on our discord community use they them pronouns so that's been kind of a cool um, place to have some solidarity for sure and to celebrate each other's expression of gender fuckery um has uh. been <laughs> a lot of fun and and i i truly mean that like one of our listeners and um supporters uh pip kind of helps run discord and like and keep it going and um and they, you know, we have like an after dark uh, section. So you get to, you know, share some some fun stuff. But we were we were going back and forth sharing some sel- sexy selfies with everyone. And um, and both Pip and I were rejoicing in kind of the way that we show off um, our masculinity mixed with our femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's just it was it, it was a lot of fun, you know, hearing um, everyone's and seeing um, everyone's rejoicing of themselves. So, hey, if you're on Discord and you want an invite, um, send us a message through any platform, whatever platform you you feel um, works best for you, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. um, You can easily find us at LavMafia or um, thelavendermafia at gmail.com. We have all kinds of ways for you to find us. If you can't find us, I don't know what to say to you. Find us, send us a message. And we'll get you invited to Discord. So what are we talking about today, now that we've gotten through all that? This episode has been a long time coming. (sighs) It has. I should make a pun there because it's an after dark, but I'll let listeners (laughs) fill in in the blanks. (laughs) Just like I I love to do. We've been edging them for a while on this one, I feel like. (laughs) Oh, Let's talk about... (laughs) Holy shit. How's that sound? Yes. Oh my gosh. Why did we take so long for this? It's my fault, you all. (laughs) 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 We can blame the poly person for taking so long. Yeah, I honestly, you know, Jack has been ready and excited to talk about polyamory for a while. And just, you know, to give some background... I started dating our girlfriend in January, so basically a year ago, (laughs) and uh, we met, our meeting um, is literally within a couple of days of now, year (laughs) anniversary, and so we started dating pretty quickly, and there, it was just, it was our first time, me and Erica's first time stepping outside of the um, traditional aspect. Um, We'd done other things, and anyone who's been listening for a while um, knows that, you know, it's been one step at a time in all these different ways, but the, the Mm -hmm. big component is that romantic component, the big component of physical interaction or romantic interaction. And even those, even the romantic word is a hard one that we'll work on defining a little bit later, but in an effort to care for my wife and care for our girlfriend and care for our relationship as a whole i wanted to keep it closer to the chest i think it took like 
10 months into the pod that I felt comfortable saying um, our girlfriend's name, saying Jana's name. And a lot of it wasn't necessarily Jana or necessarily um, me or my wife. It was just a, it was just a, an overall, let's take care of this. Well, let's make sure that this mm-hmm. is, um, has the opportunity to grow and succeed without as much risk. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to being poly, it's pretty not societally accepted still. And yeah. so you have to, we're fortunate that we are in Los Angeles in a very queer and very liberal community. And so we've been able to kind of have a great core friend group and support at our church um, with, um, and, and I say church very loosely, our, our community, our uh, queer spiritual community. So that's been um, really great. And so I, I'd kind of been putting it off for a while. I wanted to be able to really talk to you guys about some of the nitty gritty details of what it means to be in a poly relationship. I didn't want to like jump the gun and be like, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Like three months in, you know what I mean? Like I was, I'm still learning. Like we're, we're almost a year into me and Janet dating. We're nine months into the triad being a relationship. So we just wanted to be smart and um, caring of the relationship. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We talk about so many personal things on the pod, and it can be a lot easier to talk about topics where we have more of like a critical distance from them, like the kind of less central to who we are or stuff that is mostly outside of our experience tends to be a lot easier to talk about. So it makes sense that we've taken our time before tackling this one. Yeah, I feel like the other thing is that this year I've actually encountered a lot of pushback on being polyamorous in leadership and Mm -hmm. as a ministry leader and and also complete embracement. But I've really stood out there. And um, for those of you that are on the non-monogamous, ethically non-monogamous, polyamorous side of things and those of you that know someone that is um it's something that there are not a lot of people who are outspoken about and because they feel concerned that it's going to risk something whether it's career um often it's career or it's important relationships with family mm-hmm and just let's let's back up because we do this every time and I I always jump the gun and Jack you always bring us back so I'm going to do it for myself this time what does it mean to be poly right isn't that what I should do we should do you did it i didn't have to do it this time <laughs> i know <laughs> i'm usually the one to do the, to do the annoying philosopher thing what is this let's define our terms first <laughs> i would love it if you did it actually cuz i feel like you're really great at that like Let's define it. Could you give us like a easily understandable, what is it to be polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous? Oh, God. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) You like how I stole that back? I'm sneaky. Um, I'll give my best shot as sort of like a first run at it. And you you fill in any of my gaps that I've left open. Mm. Oh, all right. That sounds good. (laughs) As 
I understand it to be poly means to be like engaged in or to be open to or like possibly predisposed to being engaged in multiple romantic and or sexual relationships at uh, the same time, like concurrently. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I think the other thing I would add in is that you can be poly and not in, in multiple relationships. Like mm-hmm. I was poly identified for several years because I knew that I could be in love with more than one person at the same time. And so mm-hmm. that was really key for me in coming out as poly because it didn't threaten my monogamous marriage at the time. And it made my mm-hmm. wife feel better and it made me feel a lot better to be honest about who I was. There are a lot of people in the heteronormative side of polyamory who believe that to be poly is a choice, that it's something Mm. that we walk into and we say, you know what, I'm going to choose this. And to a certain extent, it is a choice. Everything's a choice to do. But is Mm. it something that we inherently feel predisposed to, right? Like, I think about... I feel very triggered by the word choice, right? Because I think about like queerness and I think about being gay and how so many people for us growing up were like, well, that's a choice. It's like, Mm -hmm. but is it like to a certain extent, it's a choice to do anything and to pursue any sort of relationship with anyone. But if we're inherently like, if we're from the center of ourselves, like, attracted to same or similar gendered folks and it's a part of so many other parts of our of ourselves like our queerness that Mm -hmm. it's not really a choice it's just who we are it's whether or not we're we're pushing it down and so i think the same can be true with poly like poly can be an identity a sexual identity um and i think if you're more predisposed to the comfort of being able to choose that in a relationship, then you're probably poly identified and you're just not willing to like, to say it. And for some people, they might choose for one season in their life to be poly because um, it works for them. And, and then in another season in their life, be monogamous. And I've seen that work really well as well. Um, for those people that are, have children or feel drained by by the efforts of that but at the end of the day they don't most of them do not stop identifying as poly they just aren't Mm. actively in a polyamorous relationship are there it's like like a shorthand that we could use for distinguishing between like being poly like having poly desires or uh predispositions and like being in or pursuing a poly relationship? You know, I like to joke about this and basically say, I think that most people are inclined to like 
a polyamorous mindset. It's just that we are not raised in a society that allows that. And then there are some of us who are just hyper monogamous. Like, like we can only <laughs> ever like, even to the point where we drop some of our friendships, things like that. We're just so focused on this one person. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that both like have the capacity to be healthy and both have the capacity to be toxic. And sure. I think to be like, like an example of thinking outside of the box um, is there are a lot of people who consider themselves monogamous date um, a lot date people at the same time, have multiple sexual partners. Maybe they travel a lot as an entrepreneur or something like that. And they have multiple sailor. sexual partners. Right. A sailor for sure. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who consider themselves monogamous, but they just aren't committed. They're not in a committed relationship, but they have commitments. They have commitments to all these individuals that they have created connections with that mm. they are dating and, and they're just like, oh no, I just not in a relationship right now. So the fact that they're not in a relationship for some reason just limits them. And I find that to be kind of interesting because if we were explained or understood polyamory, monogamy, and M, whatever, earlier on, we might understand ourselves to be a little bit more it might make a little more sense in our brains, basically, because by mm -hmm. the time we commit down and we start saying, OK, but are we going to call ourselves boyfriends? Are we going to call ourselves girlfriends? Like, are we going to say that we're actually dating? Like all of a sudden this is like, oh, wait, are we limiting ourselves to only each other? Are we promising ourselves to only each other? And it's a really heavy thing. Um, and mm -hmm. it's never talked about. Like it's rarely talked about. It's. Right. The undertone of all of that, of saying, I want you to be my boyfriend, I want you to be my girlfriend, whatever. The undertone of all of that every time is, I want to commit to you and only you. Right. There's that expectation of monogamy. Yes. Which is an interesting thing. And I, and I think like heterosexual people often run into the situation where they just don't have conversations. They don't communicate further about what is that commitment and um can often hurt each other and i think those of us that are modeling our relationships in queer um in the queer sense like if we're modeling our relationships after heteronormative relationships we've seen in the past we follow a similar toxic path we're just right. fortunate that when you're queer you're starting to talk about these kinds of things more openly and communicate about sexual needs and can have the the opportunity for growth in that aspect of what does this mean? <laughs> like, are you going to stop sleeping with, are you going to only sleep with me? Um, mm -hmm. And have that conversation. Right. And those conversations, those exact same conversations happen in polyamorous relationships mm -hmm. with poly identified people. So we're all the same, but with this understanding under list, like, expectation like in monogamous relationships that communication doesn't immediately happen in polyamorous relationships the communication is up front mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it i feel like i'm an advertisement for poly <laughs> you absolutely are a poly evangelist <laughs> <laughs>
I think what you said about like a lot of people having poly or poly adjacent experiences who might not consider themselves to be poly was really helpful. Because like before August and I became exclusive with each other, like before he and I started dating, like I was usually like romantically and sexually pursuing multiple people at the same time. Like yep. I wouldn't have concerned myself to be poly. But like sometimes I would have like a friend with benefits or two going and like going on dates with one, two, three guys at the same time. It was like a very <laughs> yep. like poly kind of thing, although I wouldn't have like looked at it that way. And I feel like you could go either way, like defining poly like I did as like like having or being disposed to have multiple romantic or sexual relationships going or to specify that like they have to be committed relationships like count quote unquote as poly. Do you feel like one or the other is like more more common in poly circles, poly discourse? Hmm. Cause I wouldn't have considered myself to be committed in any sort of strong sense to any of uh, the rotating host of uh, men that I had <laughs> in my body, <laughs> whose bodies I was in. <laughs> I think something that we're inclined to do here is talk about just the sexual component of poly. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes. That's what we do with our queerness where we talk about like what body parts are we interested in? And like that limits Mm. us a lot. Yeah. Right. With identity. Cause I know and am friends with people who are on the asexual spectrum. And I'm also in a relationship with someone who is on the asexual spectrum who, you know, doesn't regularly have sex or isn't even interested in sex, but is romantically and relationship interested in like, having a a family unit a polycule or having like multiple partners and Mm -hmm. so i wanted to say that really quick just because i think that that's a valid and important experience that Mm -hmm. um individuals have i feel like we're we're dealing with kind of the same um thing that as a society we've dealing with sexuality like Mm -hmm. i remember when the terms that were really really only used we're gay, lesbian, and bisexual. And I remember not identifying with any of that. And I remember gay being like the closest I could take on because it felt more open-ended. Uh-huh. Um, and it wasn't until we got to the word queer that I was like, oh, you know what? That's more encompassing. I, I like that. But it isn't until this year that I've been able to say, you know, pansexual, whatever, because it's uh-huh. more open to all of the things that I am, right? And mm-hmm. I think that as a society, we're at like that beginning stages when it comes to polyamory versus monogamy, because mm-hmm. I don't think that they're just two worlds. I think that they are the same world where some of, us, some of us like one identity and some of us like another, because it gives us more freedom or more limitation. Um, and I think that there are, I think as, as a, as a, a human race, <laughs> we need more than one relationship in our lives, 
We need more than right. one committed individual that that um, devotes themselves to us in some way or another. Mm-hmm. You and I are an aspect of my polyamory and your polyflexibility coming out. The way that we are committed to each other, the way that we're committed in this um, Lavender Mafia community, the way that we've built mm-hmm. and raised um, individuals in their queerness and their faith and their identities. Um, we've mothered and fathered and cared for, parented many, many individuals, and that's been our partnership. And mm-hmm. that is a way of us showing devotion to each other and showing devotion to this community. And I think yeah. that more people are inclined to that understanding. It's this aspect that becomes romantic or sexual that people are like, oh, wait, no, that's the one thing I don't want to share with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's been shown to us in media, through society, through tradition, that to give attention to someone else that is romantic or in sexual nature, or even, I know for us growing up, like, we were taught that, like, if you spent one-on-one time with the opposite sex, that that was more than that was allowed. Like if you're in a committed mm-hmm. relationship, if you're married or whatever, don't ever find yourself in a close friendship with the opposite sex. And so we weren't even allowed close friendships. And so you have so many people that are just lonely out there with this expectation that they're supposed to only have one devoted relationship outside at, at, when it comes to romantic relationships. And anyone else that's devoted to you has to be basically your mom, your dad, your siblings. And that's what's acceptable. And even some people get made fun of for the closeness they have with their siblings. Like, oh, you guys are a little too close. Mm -hmm. And I remember that experience um, a lot growing up. And so it's, I feel like we are probably decades, hopefully um, only decades (laughs) away from kind of having more of an understanding of ourselves as humans and this need to connect deeply with more than one person. Like my wife Mm -hmm. who is on the asexual spectrum, who is um, now identifies as poly (laughs) (laughs) identified as monogamous for a very long time because of trauma and because of, her introvertedness and only being able to give like one per, one to two people enough attention that felt like devotion, right? So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, I'm, I'm monogamous. I'm that's that's the only thing that can come for me. But it's not true. Actually, mm-hmm. us having Jana in our lives has been an incredible blessing and an incredible mm-hmm. support for her, and it's opened up a lot of opportunity for her to feel more loved, to feel more supported, more cared for. And it's, so I think, I think we just make a lot of assumptions is what I'm trying to say based Mm -hmm. off of what's been handed to us about ourselves. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. What you said reminded me of how helpful it was for me to get the categories of like, being like homo romantic versus homosexual 
Mm. Because like I came out uh, a few years ago as bi, still identify as bi. But as at first it was difficult for me to understand it, especially being married to a woman, um, like how I felt like differently romantically inclined versus sexually inclined to people of yeah. different genders. And I think now that I'm probably like more more homo romantic, but like more like homo romantic and bisexual. Like sexually attracted to genders similar to my own and dissimilar to my own, but mostly romantically attracted to people whose genders are similar to mine. Yeah. If we can normalize like using like mono, poly, ace, and aero on those sort of spectrums, spectra as well, I feel like that would be re- really helpful. Like somebody could be asexual and poly. Like mm-hmm. if they're poly with regard to like sexual relationships, but aromantic. Yeah. Or like poly with regard to sexual relationships, but monogamous with respect to romantic relationships or vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. And then like you hinted at like being being queer involves like the not just the like relativizing of categories, but like almost breaking them down entirely. Like the difference between a friend or the differences among like being a friend or like romantic partner, a sexual partner, like they're just not as clean cut as yep. we were always told they were. Mm-hmm. I remember like bumping up against this a lot when I was in like side B circles still, like Christian uh, circles that are non affirming of uh, LGBTQ relationships because a lot of people believed that like romantic and sexual relationships with people of same and similar genders was or they were immoral and so it it was very important to be able to delineate like what counts as a romantic or sexual relationship or romantic sexual encounter with somebody Mm -hmm. else and what doesn't Mm. like is is cuddling sexual is it romantic or is it or can it be completely platonic and other thing kissing like where can you kiss somebody how long before it becomes romantic or sexual mm-hmm. like these aren't easy questions to answer mostly because they're just they're not the qu- kinds of questions that can be answered very well or like absolutely with any sort of universality to them (laughs) exactly like it's just a failed program Uh (sighs) uh-huh wow that is so true because i know some people who can healthfully make out with someone else or have a sexual encounter with someone else and have it not have it not turn into an emotional connection or emotional relationship Mm-hmm. And still enjoy that sexual encounter and ha- have that be healthy 
And I know some people who that's a totally toxic action for them. Uh Like that is a unhealthy action for them. And then on the other side of things, there are individuals who just want to cuddle, just want to, to, to be close to, um, to someone who they're connected to without the desire for sexual needs, i.e. often asexual people who are feeling, who are doing that in a healthy way because for them it's a healthy action. They don't right. have the desire for a sexual um, encounter in that moment or often, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a spectrum on its own as well. But then there are people who often believe that um, to act on their sexual desires is um, is a sin. And so they push the line and push the line for themselves in a really toxic, unhealthy way of mm-hmm. snuggling and being close to someone and edging themselves and not coming to fruition with their uh, action, whether it be, and when I say coming, I mean actually coming, right? So uh-huh. oftentimes that is, that is their limitation, right? And that's a really unhealthy action for them. And so, like yeah. you said, there is no universality about this. Like specifically we can't, it is, it is broken to think that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think what's cool about queerness and what's cool about polyness is that it creates a conversation. Mm-hmm. It creates and encourages communication. Like there's a joke in the poly community that, that gets said a lot, which is um, to be poly. Is that to just have a kink for Google calendars? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and, and the, the joke is pretty, pretty straightforward. But part of that joke is just that we really like to have, we have to have communication about what's going on in our lives in a way that um, kind of honors um, more than just one person, like honors, you know, our multiple partners or whatever. And again, Mm. another joke that's often made with me is that I'm not just poly in my romantic relationships, I'm poly in career because I have like, my partnership with you. I have my partnership with Darren, with our NoHo community. I have my partnership with, um, with Sam at the UCC church. Like I have partners <laughs> across uh-huh. the board um, and, and in my business. And so it's, you know, for me, it's a, it's a large part of who I am as an individual. I just, mm-hmm. I like, to be in devoted, committed relationships of some extent with the people that I'm closest to. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until this past two years that I've realized, and especially this past year, that I realized that I could probably be in a sexual relationship with a friend that was not a romantic relationship. But mm-hmm. that is only because I have met my need. And my base need is different than everyone else's. Some people have more of a need. For me, my base need is to be in a romantic relationship with two individuals. That has felt really good. I haven't felt a deficit for the first Mm -hmm. time in a very long time. Very cool. And here's the hard thing about saying that, because I feel like some monogamous folks that listen to us are going to feel a little triggered. Um, my wife is incredible. She has met my needs and my wants more than any other partner I've ever been with. 
Mm -hmm. She is an incredible human, but we have had an incredibly hard life together when it Mm -hmm. comes to especially like we all know financial issues are a thing for a lot of those of us in, in our community. Right. But also just physical disabilities and burdens that we've had to carry on our own away from family. And so we've had less support and um, we came into a community of queer folks who became our chosen family, but that stuff and the way of leaning on them, that takes time to build. Yeah. And I just feel like when I say that I've been at a deficit, what I'm trying to say to you is that I personally have a need and a want, and there's nothing wrong with wants. Again, this is another thing that we have to unpack because I feel like for me myself, once on its own was sinful. Like to want something felt mm. very sinful and not priority. So that's a that's a hard <laughs> needs were like you need to be fed, you need water, you need to be have a have a roof over your head. Um everything mm-hmm. else was once, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I had a base, I have a base need and a want to be loved and cared for and prioritized by more than just my wife. But that mm-hmm. does not mean that my wife has done anything wrong or that I am doing something wrong by not allowing her to fill it. We all, like, for a broader perspective, we all need more than one person. Like, Mm-hmm. Like for you, right? You joke about being polyflexible, but you're monogamous. How does that act out for you as a monogamous individual needing more than August? Well, I think at this point, I'll probably identify as mono flexible. Like I'm mostly, yeah. mostly inclined toward monogamy in my sexual romantic relationships, but I would be open to having more than one romantic or sexual partner if like the right circumstances arose um for my relationship with august like my friends have always been really important to me um i was never particularly close to my bio family and so when i started making close friends like they became my chosen family even before i came out and i had the vocabulary for that yeah and my friendships with with you, with other queer people in our community, with a few token heterosexuals, just for sake of diversity, uh, like these these people are really important to me. And part of meeting my like emotional relational needs, and I think to to pursue the meeting of like my emotional needs just in August would be to put like an expectation. I even want to say like a a burden on him that isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there probably are couples where their needs and their abilities to meet those needs like really closely align Uh so that they might not need 
a whole lot of support outside of that relationship. I I feel though that that is probably vanishingly rare, but it's it's too often treated like it's the norm, like that's right. what it's supposed to be like. Like we talked in our cheating episode about so-called emotional affairs, like yeah. having someone outside your partner, well, like you lean on for emotional support in a lot of like religious circles is treated as cheating when I just think it's like having healthy and deep relationships mm-hmm. with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the thing that especially Erica and I learned in kind of starting in the, in the beginning of me starting to date Jana and us adding this third person in a romantic and um, sexual aspect is Mm -hmm. that we could not communicate enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We could not fill in enough details and we had hurt feelings. We had um, lots of hard conversations and um, we really pushed our relationship and I'm incredibly proud of us incredibly Mm. proud of how and incredibly proud of my wife for how she'd faced some of her traumas head on and and challenges that she was facing already to layer on top of you know her being out of work and her uh on disability and her being her recognizing her autistic, um, her, her autism, like there's just so many layers of what was happening Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this year. And, and to add to it, Oh, my wife is interested in someone else. Like Mm -hmm. that's a lot. And so we put our relationship through so much, but I can look back at this year and go, wow, like seven years together. And this the way that I love my wife now and the way that I see how she loves me um, by allowing someone else to be in our lives that fills wants and desires and needs that we haven't been able to give to each other is like the ultimate example of love. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think like a way to help I'm thinking about, because I have conversations with those individuals that haven't been able to even consider this or never needed to. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that I like to relate is um, when I'm thinking about how sometimes when we have an argument with our partner and we can't talk to our partner about some of those deep-seated hurts that are happening in that moment. like. Mm-hmm. We need a sounding board. We need we need someone. We need our best friend. We need our mom. We need someone who will just hear what's coming going on in our heads or a therapist. It's normalized therapy. We need someone yeah. who can hear the thoughts that are going on in our heads so that we can sort them. Right? And so we say, like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling neglected or I'm feeling like she doesn't really love me or I'm fe-. like these hard things that we don't want to straight up say to our partner in that moment, right? That we need to process. Right. And oftentimes those first really hard th- 
things that come out of our mouths are not the actual things we're feeling there. There's, we have to dig a little until we get to this rooted thing. And then we go, Oh, that's why I was actually hurt. Or actually, I think I could fix this or I can work on this for myself, but I'm going to communicate this now to my wife or my my partner and Mm -hmm. say like, okay, this is where we're at. But we need that other person to help us get there. Right. And I think like when you say, when you can, can explain to someone like, when you just need that person who's going to go with you to coffee and talk through this stuff, or you just need that person to cry on their shoulder and feel loved and cared for in that moment and, and held and safe. Mm -hmm. That is similar to the need that I have when my wife, whose um, sexual needs are a different, a way different, um, scale than my needs Mm -hmm. um and the same is also true from a romantic perspective my wife's love languages are not the same as my need of love language like i am a i have words of affirming affirmation person like and touch Mm -hmm. whereas my wife touch can sometimes be really painful with her fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and with her autism Mm -hmm. and so it's really great when I have friends who will cuddle me and when I have a romantic partner who will kiss and love me and remind me how sexy I am. Mm-hmm. And so none of those needs or wants or desires that we can all have in fluctuation, depending on what we're not getting in a relationship are bad where right. they become unhealthy or bad is if we are not communicating about those needs And if we are not allowing the conversation for how to meet those needs for ourselves and for our partners. Right. And I feel like even if we hadn't added in someone this year, um, into our relationship, well, honestly, by adding Jana, those conversations happened and, and that's what made us healthier. Um, but I think, even if we hadn't added anyone, we had started to have those conversations just because I was identifying as Polly and mm. that has improved our relationship immensely. Mm. And that if, if anyone comes out of this, con- this pod listening to us talk about polyamory, regardless of you're on the furthest spectrum of, I don't even, I don't even get it. What is Polly or Hey, I'm super polyamorous and, and in a healthy relationship on either end of the spectrum. If anyone gets anything out of this, I would love for them to just get, a healthier uh, idea about what healthy communication in a relationship can lead to and mm-hmm. what honoring your needs and wants and desires can open the door for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I have a big question and this is where our theologian comes in. Roro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like honestly, this might like, this is obviously a two parter. Like we're, we're like probably close to an hour in, <laughs> And we've barely touched the surface of this. So I think we're definitely going to have to do a part two. I think we might need to do a mini-sode. But something that I would love to tease our listeners with is how do we as Christians, and I'm going to say Christians because 
There are a lot of individuals that are listening that might not identify as Christian anymore, but did identify as Christian and are very curious. How do we justify being polyamorous as a Christian? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's important. And I was about to say the same thing uh, about this being a two-parter. Like maybe we could tackle this in the minisode and like wrap up the kind of personal existential side of it in the maxisode. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm down for that. I mean, because this answer is is much bigger. I know normally we don't edge you guys, but on the polyamory episode, what I mean, come on. It's perfectly Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's too perfect not to do. <laughs> so we aren't gonna give you full release until the mini sode. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Uh see, how should we tease them? I mean this this question came up with like more urgency in this last week with the reformation project posting on instagram about their explicitly anti-poly like theological stance uh yeah they said in a post that they believe that like sexuality should be between people who are covenanted to each other. They're basically saying like no poly relationships and like no sex before marriage, which is an extreme view for a queer organization to take. And so we'll be taking them on in the minisode. Um, spoiler alert, we think they're wrong. And yeah. we'll tell you, we'll tell you, <laughs> we'll tell you why. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is in that same, in that same post, they talked about diversity and inclusion and <laughs> lol. Yeah. We'll talk about how effed that concept is to, to put right next to, um, an exclusive monogamy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Awesome. Great. Well, I'm up for the fire of that minisode. I can't wait uh, to dive into that. I've been raring for this fight for a long time. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. even before they fired the Savo, I'm like, I want to slap these bitches around. <laughs> uh, specifically, like, uh, people who uh, condemn poly relationships. Yeah, exactly. Uh, those bitches, not specifically. Uh, the Reformation Project. No, they can they can fix it, but I don't think they will, but they can. We'll talk more about that on the mini-sode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, as we said at the beginning of the episode, you can absolutely find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, all of the things um, at Lav Mafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. On Facebook, you can find us at the Lavender Mafia podcast um, community, I believe. And then, um, you can also find us on our website because our website is live at lavmafia.com. Woo. Woo. It's pretty cool. It's kind of exciting. We're excited about it. Go look at, go check it out. Our amazing graphic designer, Jeff Mercado, uh, 
worked so hard on our website and it is beautiful. And so please check it out if you get a chance. And then if you have any like ideas for minisodes, you can absolutely submit them. Or if you want us to come to your um, church and have a talk uh, conversation or, or do a teaching, you can absolutely reach out to us through our website. We would love if you reached out to us there. You can also just say, hi, you're sexy. I'm down for that too. Yeah. Always appreciated. <laughs> we also have merch. We have Lavender Mafia shirts. That's for right. pre-order. They look amazing. We look, We worked very hard on them. I can't wait to get mine. I know. I'm really excited. We're going to put in our first order in the next week. And so if you neat if you want to order please understand that we are new at this and so it will be a little bit um to deliver to you but come on we're small you you understand this yeah. <laughs> awesome where else can they support us if they want to support us if you like what we're doing and you want to keep hearing us do it uh feel free to go on patreon patreon.com slash love mafia to share support and we've got rewards there for backers Amazing. All right. Well, gorgeous babes, be fierce, keep the faith, and don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 